Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show to all of our guests in the United States and around the world. You know, speaking of around the world, we have listeners in 17 countries and it keeps expanding. Uh, I cannot thank you enough. China, the largest listening audience. But, you know, I don't care if there's one person like that one person in Iceland. One person. You can make a difference and spread the news to everyone else. You are helping change quality of life and educating people on the high value of people with disabilities. A special shout out to Richard Roberts and Gang Young, uh, Gang Young from Seoul, South Korea, and Richard Roberts in Japan and Okinawa are with the State Department and two great disability rights leaders. Now, a few weeks ago, this is so exciting, we had our first ever radio show with the embassy in Japan, from Japan. And guess what? We had the translators on, you know, Japanese to English, English to Japanese, historic. We've never done that before. And we're going to do it again in January. We're going to have one in February with Tunisia. A special shout out to Cheryl Harris, who I just did a uh, program three different weeks for uh, Tunisia. So get ready. And then Gang Young in South Korea. So thank you, thank you, all of you, for uh, faithfully listening to the show. Then a special shout out to my friend Yoshiko Dart. And Yoshiko, thank you for making everyone you know that you know in Japan aware of that show. By the way, before we go any further, you know you can go to voiceamerica.com and listen to a show on demand. So if you're listening now and you want other people to hear the show, because many people can't hear the show in the daytime, uh, make sure you send them there. Or you can go to Apple and or Spotify and subscribe to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com so you can hear all the shows or go to benderconsult.com. But you can Hear this show on demand. Make sure you tell that to everyone you know so that they get to hear this great show again. Thank you to Highmark and to People's Natural Gas and to the Employment Options for sponsoring the show and to Wells Fargo. Thank you to our superstar I'm going to be introducing right now. We have, wait do you hear this? Talk about two stars. We have Regina Hayward, Senior Vice President and Head of Supplier Diversity and Supply Chain Management, and Kathy Martinez, Senior Vice President, Disability Market Segment and Strategy. But you may remember her as the Assistant uh, Secretary for 
ODEP, the Office of Disability Employment Policy. She spoke all across the country and other parts of the world. I'm sure that you all remember Kathy. So I have to start with, I call her the queen, just so you know that, Miss Regina Hayward, Senior VP. And let me tell you, this woman is all about supporting people with disabilities. And by the way, her show, the last time she was on, was one of the one of the most listened to shows. And you're gonna see why right now. You gotta tell everyone about this show. I love her. She is awesome. Regina Hayward, welcome to the show. <laughs> Good afternoon, Joyce. I am so excited to be with you and your listeners today. We're gonna have a fabulous conversation. I have one of my key colleagues at Wells Fargo. We work together on so many uh, opportunities to advance the people with disabilities community. And so I'm so pleased to be here with Kathy Martinez. We're going to share with you exciting work that's underway at Wells Fargo, how we are taking a leadership position within both our internal operations and organization as well as our supply chain to engage people with disabilities and disability-owned businesses. So thank you so much for the opportunity, and thank you for your leadership, Joyce. It's so important in this 30th anniversary year of the Americans with Disabilities Act that we celebrate you for continuing to be a passionate advocate, a leader, and a change agent that has driven so much positive progress. So excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Well, you know you're just one of my favorite people. Regina, and so that everyone knows both of these guests. But, you know, a lot of times you'll hear a business person, an executive, as she is, from a company, uh, and they say all the right words. But I want to tell you what, she walks that talk. She is the real deal. Um, and so everyone should follow her, Regina Hayward, uh, H-E-Y-W-A-R-D, and Regina how about if we start by you telling our listeners around the world a little about your background and personal story, and that way they can replay it from the State Department in those countries? Absolutely. Well, Joyce, I love to start with my roots. I am from a small town called Thomasville, Georgia, and I grew up in a family of girls. Uh, I often think about how my dad survived in a household full of women, but he did a great job. Both my mother and my father were big advocates for education and hard work, and they raised us with a appreciation for our community and a sense that in order to, to really be successful, we had to find ways of giving back to the community. And with that, I've had just a wonderful opportunity to work for some dynamic companies in my professional career, ranging from General Electric to Capital One to Mead West Vaco, which was a global force and packaging company, and now at Wells Fargo. And what I've been able to do and experience through those various uh, corporate roles that I've been in is really the power of building strong relationships, of providing access to business leaders, and then strategically expanding circles of connection within communities. And in fact, that's what I'm most proud of when I think about uh, my advocacy and influence for the people with disabilities uh, community. I do serve as the vice chair of Disability In, and I have an opportunity to work with some great leaders like Jill Houghton and the staff over at Disability In. But in addition, 
You know, this work really is about uh, looking inside Wells Fargo and finding ways for us to push ourselves forward when it comes to engaging people with disabilities uh, in all of the opportunities that we have, both operational, uh, business, marketplace, and community. And so when I think about, you know, what drives me and what I'm really passionate about, it really does take me back to those roots of, of Thomasville, Georgia. I've had an opportunity to work in great places like Asia. I know you have a lot of listeners who are over in the Japan uh, area in Asia, but I've also worked in Latin America and Europe. So I bring that broad understanding of multicultural communities um, to the work that I do, and I really seek every day to, to help Wells Fargo to win, not only within its business strategy, but also in the broader way that we approach stakeholders. And I just love to tell people, when you, when you hear me say, y'all, that does orient back to uh, a great place of Thomasville, Georgia, where I got my roots and, uh, and got my beginning. Well, I'll tell you what, I can see you came from a family of hard workers, and you have not stopped all these years. And a great civil rights leader, you know, I'm involved with... Uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber, the head of the Poor People's Campaign, and we're all about how COVID has impacted uh, black people with disabilities. Black Disabled Lives Matter, and he is so focused on that. Uh, And Regina, I want to compliment you for your commitment to civil rights and everything that you've done. Thank you, Joyce. Well, I'm going to skip over here now uh, so that we can hear from both people. We can go back and forth. But my friend, Kathy Martinez, I have known for a long time. uh, And Kathy has always, by the way, been supportive of me and the work that I do. But we have something in common. We are both all about employment and accessibility because you can't work anywhere if, in fact, they are not using accessible websites, internal applications, etc. But she has worked as a national, international leader. Uh, and then, you know, Wells Fargo was lucky enough to be able to get her. And as Regina mentioned, Kathy, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act this year. And just last evening, we had a Zoom for Disability Mentoring Day kickoff with Tony Quello and Dora Bush on. It was so exciting. But I wonder if you could share your experience regarding advancements this law has made for you at people with disabilities in general, uh, both as a consumer and as an employee. Well, I certainly can. It's great to be on the show with you again, Joyce. Thanks for inviting us back. Um, It's always an honor for both of us to be on the show. So regarding the ADA, uh, many of you know that the ADA was a pivotal legislation for people with disabilities, a non-discrimination law that basically said um, that we can't be discriminated against based on our disability. Um, For me... I happen to be old enough to, to have worked before the ADA, and I will say that before 1990 and, you know, a few years after as we ramped up um, our, our, our ADA efforts, um, 
the onus of getting anything done was on the person with the disability. So, you know, when I was growing up, um, people would say, well, you know, what's Kathy going to do? How is Kathy going to handle that? And it was, how was I going to um, survive in the world? How was I going to make things accessible so that I could participate? What the ABA has done is it's, it has split the difference in many ways in that society is obligated to take a role in making itself accessible and, and I would say usable by people with disabilities. So now since, since the ADA has passed, the physical, our physical world is very different. We see ramps, we see braille elevators, you know, before when I uh, would, would travel, um, there was nothing on the doors to indicate what room number, uh, you know, what room number was on the doors if you were in a hotel. Now I can check in and find my own room. And I know that it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it, it, it is a big deal. Um, the ADA has allowed me to be much more independent. It has allowed me a broader, uh, I would say, a broader set of options in terms of you know, what I would like to do, what I would like to read, um, what I would like to participate in. Um, for me as a blind person, I guess I, I probably, <clears throat> excuse me, I probably should say that I'm blind. And so for me, it was, it was lack of access to information. That was a big barrier, you know, in addition to not being able to drive and other things. But for me, just lack of access to, you know, visual um, information and the printed word. Now, um, I am so lucky to have um, access to lots of different newspapers, magazines, information. If I want to read ingredients on a, on a, a grocery product, I'm able to do that. Um, and it's, there's things that I think that non-disabled people take for granted all the time. You know, being able to get up a curb, being able to... Um, uh, you know, to, to know what bus stop you're at. So the ADA has done a lot. <clears throat> it also has helped to change um, attitudes. Now, we can't legislate attitudes. We know that, right? But, but what it has done, it's allowed people like me to, to be a part of, the, of our communities, to contribute to our society, to contribute to the workplace. Um, I've been at Wells Fargo for five and a half years. And if it wasn't for the ADA and other other legislation and, and, uh, and regulations, I, I really wouldn't be able to work. So it has allowed me to contribute to my community, to contribute to my team at work. Um, it's allowed my voice to be uh, included. You know, I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm more and more invited to the table instead of being on the menu, as they say. So I think the ADA has made a considerable difference in my life as an employee in my life as a, as a customer um, and, and just in general as a person uh, who, who lives in the community. Wow. Yeah, you know what, Kathy? People that maybe aren't so pro-accommodations and accessibility, as you, as you said, don't realize what they have uh, right now. And, you know, that, that was so true what you said. Well, Regina, I want to move back to you here. Companies that, as you know, from being the uh, vice president 
of the Board of Disability in, you know very well that there are companies interested in diversifying their supply chain. I wonder if you will share how companies can go about including disability-owned business enterprises. We're going through a point in time where accountability and action is very important. And at Wells Fargo, we understand that to be successful, uh, the company must be as diverse and inclusive as the communities that we serve. And as Kathy mentioned in her uh, personal experience, it's why we promote diverse representation via our employee population, our supplier population, and it's why we push ourselves to have a culture within the company that is inclusive of people with disabilities. Uh, a key priority of Wells Fargo's business inclusion strategy includes striving for full inclusion of businesses within the U.S. economy, and that means we have to really think about the, the barriers and the conditions that are present within the economy and then work with our peers in financial services and other industries to remove those barriers. It's very important to us that we hold ourselves accountable, as I mentioned. And over the past five years, we have measured our relationships with disability-owned businesses, uh, DOBIES, certified organizations that uh, are coming through the disability in organization. We've spent over $13 million with disability-owned businesses. And when we think about actually leveraging uh, businesses, uh, just as, as your organization, uh, Joyce has done very value-added uh, scopes of work with our company, it really is about finding the, the best and brightest, uh, sharing what our supply chain opportunities are, uh, investing in building capabilities. We have programs where we will uh, invest in sending disability-owned business uh, owners to programs at Stanford and Dartmouth. Uh, we have scholarship programs through historically black colleges and universities and other major types of scholarship funds. And we also are very present in the disability in organization. In fact, we have the first uh, business Accelerator Program in conjunction with the Disability In Conference about a year and a half ago. And Joyce, we were really excited to have your team be a part of the, the facilitation and the uh, training that was provided to those businesses that attended the Accelerator. So I hope I'm painting a picture that we're in a period of time where we have to hold ourselves accountable, but we also have to take the right strategic actions and we have to measure our progress. It's really key that we understand how we are doing uh, in our business relationships and our employee relationships and that we continue to set more and more goals within the organization to, to achieve progress. Yes, and you have been. Uh, as you mentioned, I am a disability-owned business enterprise, and not just me. But throughout the organization, Regina has worked to uh, bring aboard disability-owned business enterprises. Mm -hmm. You know what I always say? If you want to show everyone <laughs> that you have diversity, this woman is your example to follow. Regina Hayward, Wells Fargo. Um, Kathy. I, I really am excited to talk to you about the Office of Federal Contract Compliances because of the mandates that have helped increase employment opportunities at companies that are federal contractors. Now, I know we still have a ways to go here, but could you talk about that so that um, 
our listeners will understand it. Sure, yeah. So um, I had the pleasure of working with a very large team, including Joyce, um, to help establish the executive order, um, Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act. And this executive order says that federal contractors must uh, strive for a utilization goal of 7%. So we're looking at having 7% of people identify as having uh, a disability within these federal contractor companies, of which Wells Fargo is one. Um, you know, when we, uh, you know, so when I, well, let me just say that when I helped get this, um, this uh, executive order passed, you know, I never dreamed that I would at one day be implementing this, le- this regulation. But I, I have to say it's one of the best experiences I've ever had because, you know, I, I, I gained a better understanding of what it takes to implement a regulation. Um, you know, it's easy to, to pass a regulation, but I, I think it's actually much harder to implement it and, and really um, move the needle. However, at Wells Fargo, um, we, we have uh, a, a very large cadre of passionate people um, who believe that, diver- that disability absolutely should be a part of the diversity agenda at the bank. Um, and we have made <clears throat> efforts on many fronts to, to, make, to, to move the needle regarding um, hiring, retaining, advancing, uh, promoting people with disabilities. So we have developed <clears throat> a recruitment effort, a recruitment community of practice. Um, we have people in our HR department that, whose specific task it is to recruit qualified people with disabilities. But once we get folks on board, we have to make it possible for them to do their jobs. So, you know, we focus at Wells Fargo on basically raising all boats. And, and we focus on physical accessibility, digital accessibility, because as Joyce said earlier, websites have to be accessible. We have to have accessible internal applications to do our job. But not only those, I think one of the most important things that we've done is to work on our cultural accessibility and how welcoming is our culture and, you know, how comfortable does somebody feel um, identifying as a person with a disability, not just when you come through the door, but even if you've been an employee for 20 years and you have a non-evident disability, um, are it, you know, is this a safe place for you to come out as having a person, as being a person with a disability? You know, how are our hiring managers being, um, how are we, how are we raising awareness with regard to what questions can be answered or asked during an interview or what happens when a person with a disability comes on board and their team has a lot of questions? Who should answer those? Should it be the person that they hired or should we be able to provide the team with some awareness tools and some disability etiquette information? So all of this goes into creating a welcoming and accessible place. It's got to be physical digital and cultural well and, and can i just say wait can i just say one more thing joyce yes um, yes and please. we're proud to say we're very proud to say that from 
2015, you know, we've, we, we, we have moved the needle quite a bit, and we're now at over 11,000 people that identify as having a disability. And, wow. and we know we're not there. We know this is, this is a marathon, not a sprint, but our goal is to just keep getting better. Wow. That, that is absolutely, uh, congratulations. That's awesome. You know, because you know what I always say? Where the rubber meets the road is competitive employment. That says it all. That's how you change the work face uh, of America. Uh, you were talking, Regina, about Dobies and mm-hmm. the Disability Business Enterprise. Where can they go to get training to better understand how to put themselves in front of larger companies like Wells Fargo? Because speaking of employment, there are people with disabilities that choose to become entrepreneurs. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know what? Then you can hire people with disabilities, as I have, uh, as you become larger and more successful. But what if, Regina, you have no idea, you're new, you're new, disability business enterprise, certified by disability, and what can you do to learn more? Yeah, and, and this really gets uh, nicely back to what Kathy was just saying about moving the needle one of the things that we recognize at Wells Fargo is that in order to have a pipeline of disability-owned businesses within our supply chain, we have to invest up front in helping small businesses to grow and scale. And that includes uh, small disability-owned business enterprises as well as established organizations that are currently doing business with Wells Fargo. So we invest more than $3 million a year through our Wells Fargo Foundation in specific programs, we call them capacity building programs that are designed to help businesses to grow and scale. And we have really deconstructed the process of growth to understand what do small businesses need. But we know they need access to capital, and there's no organization that has more expertise than Wells Fargo in that area. But they also need access to networks people who can uh, provide them helpful information on business process, who can provide them access to markets, uh, people who can help them to negotiate the contracting process and provide technical assistance. But we also have found that businesses need a little bit more nurturing, and so we invest in programs that help with mentoring. Uh, Wells Fargo has several capacity efforts where we bring experts uh, out of other corporations, uh, out of industry, and partner those, those experts with diverse businesses who are looking to grow and scale. And then lastly, access to information. Uh, as we have gone through the COVID pandemic and had new programs uh, introduced into the marketplace, like the Paycheck Protection Program, Wells Fargo made a concerted effort to ensure that we were outreaching to organizations. Disability Inn was one of our key outreach partners. We were able to reach, in a seven-week period of time, over 30,000 businesses across the United States through webinars and virtual sessions where we brought experts in from our small business team, from our wealth and investment management team, people who could answer questions. We made sure that any uh, emails that we received uh, from folks who needed specific assistance were handled uh, in a timely manner. And it made a significant difference. And now we know that there is more to do, especially on the the recovery and the restoration front of businesses post-COVID. And so we are 
already working very closely with our Wells Fargo Foundation around special programs like our $400 million Open for Business Fund, where we have committed to provide all of our fees earned uh, as a part of the, the PPP program to nonprofits who help small, diverse businesses. And so what I would advise people to do is to make sure you're connecting with the small business resources in your area. Disability Inn certainly is a significant resource on the national level. Disability Inn has local affiliates across the United States. So visiting the Disability Inn uh, website and really finding the regional affiliate that's closest to you would be very, very helpful. Also, the Small Business Administration has set up organizations across the United States to be helpful to small businesses who are looking to develop. So check into that SBA network. And then lastly, this acronym of CDFI has become very important as we have gone through programs like the Paycheck Protection Program. But that stands for Community uh, Financial Development Institution. And Wells Fargo has very strong and enduring relationships with CDFIs across the country. We have special programs like our Diverse Community Capital Program, where we're providing capital into CDFIs who work very close, uh, closely with diverse businesses within uh, each of their communities. And so visiting Wells Fargo's uh, small business uh, website is also very, very helpful when it comes to locating CDFIs in your area who are participating not only in Wells Fargo's program, but more broadly in opportunities to help small businesses. So this is just a time when there are a lot of resources and taking time to really investigate who those go-to resources are in your area would be very helpful. But I always orient back to Disability Inn because I know the team over at Disability Inn is so super helpful when it comes to uh, figuring out resources and how to navigate. And I think that's really the key. I agree with you. I just want to say um, you should definitely look into disability in if you are a person with a disability you know running a business no matter how small you are if you're you know getting going and you know you're making headway but you want to do more you are not going to believe the network of people at mm-hmm. these disability and conferences and one of them is on the phone with me right now thank god i was blessed to meet regina and guess how that guess how that happened a disability and conference so yeah. you know it, it i always tell people you've got to you've got to invest you've got to you know it's not going to come to you you know, someone's not going to come knocking on your door saying, uh, hi, here I am. You know, I'm, I'm going to work with you. Um, you've got to get out there. You've got to become known. That is, you've got to get a network. You've got to get a network. I, I, I'm telling you, that is so important. Uh, so, Kathy, you have been at Wells Fargo. I can't believe you've been there five and a half years. Wow. Seems like just yesterday you told me you were going it's there. True. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, you could talk about your Wells Fargo journey uh, now with over 11,000 employees who self-identified as a person with a disability. Let's hear about your journey uh, and also something very important at every company, which is the ERG group. Oh, well, my journey was, um, I will be very honest, you know, when I came to Wells Fargo, I had been in the, quote, disability bubble um, for most of my working life, 
um, at least the last, you know, 15 years. And when I came to Wells Fargo, I, I have to say um, it was one of the, the best and hardest years of my life because, first of all, um, I had to learn at a very quick rate uh, how to better use assistive technology so I could get my work done. Um, and I had to learn, you know, about the financial services industry, which, frankly, I had no clue about. So the first year was a real um, kind of learning through, the, through a fire hose year for me. But one of the things that I was tasked to do was begin developing a, a, an enterprise-wide strategy. Um, and that included um, um, our philanthropic work, you know, really having a, a focused philanthropic um, approach rather than kind of a scattershot approach. Um, it, it included, you know, developing a marketing strategy. How, what, what, what were we going to celebrate? What organizations were we going to sponsor? Um, it, you know, of course, it included mitigating risk, um, developing an accessibility, a digital accessibility strategy. We created what we call our Enterprise Accessibility Program Office, which is kind of our focal point um, for um, enterprise work. Regard- so, for example, um, you know, anything that has kind of an enterprise that um, um, touches all businesses and functional organizations, um, the EAPO helps to coordinate. We're, we're kind of a focal point. Um, Wells Fargo is a really big organization. And while lines of business may not do everything exactly the same, you know, it's really a good idea to have somebody coordinating processes, standards, um, you know, uh, and just kind of keeping track of, of how, how the organization is, is moving um, and, and, and making sure we're moving in the right direction. So, um, you know, this year we were proud to celebrate the uh, 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, we're having a celebration of National Disability Employment Awareness Month on Thursday with one of our leaders, um, Saul Van Bearden. And so, you know, it, it, like I say, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I, I think we're moving in the right direction. We certainly have more people than ever um, it, as part of our, in a, our, um, our affinity group, our um, uh, uh, disability team member network, not only people with disabilities, but allies. Um, you know, people are, I think, are learning how to be allies. And, um, and so that is a very helpful vehicle for people to network. You, got, um, you guys talked a lot about networking. Um, that has been super helpful for people, you know, to learn about what, what type of services we offer, uh, to learn about our, our Disability Resource Center for our employees, um, you know, to learn about how to ask for an accommodation and what that process is like. Um, so, you know, the ERG is a, is a super, it's a, con, a convener and a connector and, um, and, um, and, and really just helps our team members, you know, network and, and, uh, and, and it allows people to bring their whole selves to work, you know, mm-hmm. if they're disabled and, and they're part of multiple, they have multiple identities, um, you know, if they they have intersectional identities, you know, it's a very supportive environment for people uh, at Wells Fargo. Yeah, and how important is that? You know, just as you said, I always tell people about this intersectionality uh, 
doesn't matter color, sexual orientation, uh, you know, female, it doesn't matter what it is, there is intersectionality across the board. So in other words, I can be black and have a disability. I can be from the LGBT community and have a disability. Do you know what I mean? I can be a female Mm -hmm. and have a disability. And people forget about that. That's why when I go to a company and they say, oh, we have... Uh, you know, not hired people with disabilities before, I always tell them, oh, yes, you have. Yeah, they're here right now in your company. Bipolar Mm -hmm. disorder, depression, MS, uh, epilepsy like me. It's just that they don't want to tell anyone. And that's why it's so great to have a company like Wells Fargo that is doing so much for inclusion. And I'll tell you what, Regina, this is National Employment Disability Employment mm-hmm. Awareness Month. But you know what I call it? I call it Disability Employment Month because I always mm-hmm. say, okay, we've had the awareness. Now let's start hiring people. Um, and another thing about it is it isn't just one month. It isn't like you can say, okay, this one month, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Big deal. This has to be year-round. So, uh, Regina, your advice for companies, how can they prioritize disability inclusion throughout the year? That's right. And Joyce, I, I go back to the two words that I used to start this, this uh, podcast, action and accountability. One innovative way that Wells Fargo has put action behind employment of people with disabilities is our supported employment program. And I'm really excited about what the team at Wells Fargo has done to stand this program up. Our efforts actually started back in 2017 when we launched the first supported employment program to hire people with disabilities through our third-party vendors through our corporate properties team. And so as you think about that, Wells Fargo certainly does have a wide breadth of facilities, both administrative and retail across the United States. And so our team identified our corporate properties construct as a significant way that we could begin to match people with disabilities within our network to jobs. And so what we've done is we work with third-party service providers and local vocational agencies to match candidates with physical and or mental disabilities to job openings. And we do that in a variety of ways across our locations. Um, One site, we have job coaches that support associates who are receiving prevailing wages for the positions that they're working. We also have uh, created job structuring so that if We have one role, but there are two people who can can work uh, inside of a day. Maybe one person is able to take uh, the first four hours of a day and another person can take the last four of a day. We certainly do try to be innovative and creative in order to, again, get people engaged and working within, within our operation. We initially started the program by filling just three positions in a single market, and that was back in 2017. But as the team became better, Uh, at our processes and as we had success, we scale that program. And in fact, in 2020, uh, we're on track to to target having more than 60 candidates uh, with disabilities employed across our 17 markets. And we're leveraging over 12 certified supplier partners in order to make that happen. So again, that is an example 
of holding ourselves accountable, but being very focused on action as we seek to to reach a higher level of employment uh, for people with disabilities, not only within our company, but Joyce, we know how important this is globally for people with disabilities to have the same opportunity as others to engage meaningfully in the economy. And that certainly does uh, carry a big um, opportunity there around jobs and working and using the skills and talents that one has been given uh, in order to, to produce value. So we're excited about that supportive employment program. And you know what? And Joyce, I, I want to. Yes. I want to. I just want to just point something out that Regina said that is very important. We pay prevailing wage, and mm-hmm. I think we have to just stop and, you know, make sure that people are very clear um, that we are not paying some minimum wage, and that we respect, you know, the whole concept of supported employment, and we value the contributions that these workers bring to our company. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you said that, uh, Kathy, because we all know about places where there is some minimum pay, which is absolutely horrible. I mean, horrible. Um, and, I, and, and I know at Wells Fargo, you have very competitive employment salaries and compensation, but I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I really am mm-hmm. because I feel that is so important. Um, well, Kathy, we have had, and this goes along with that actually, centuries of exclusive practices in the U.S., such as employment discrimination, that has resulted in a society where people of color with disabilities, as we were talking about, particularly in the BIPOC uh, community have, and the Latinx community, are at a particular disadvantage financially. Just as I said, when Reverend Dr. William Barber was on, the number of people living in poverty with disabilities is horrific. So what community solutions do you have that you feel should be prioritized? Wow. Well, um, I think that it would be very helpful for everyone um, I, let me just talk about my community and my experience. I'm, I'm Latina. I was born in a, in a very large Latina family. Um, and, you know, when, when I grew up, um, I, I was lucky to have a family that, you know, that was very supportive and really encouraged me to participate and, um, you know, and didn't let me uh, or my blind sister. Um, so there's two blind people out of six kids. So they didn't let us sit on the sidelines. I mean, they, they pushed us very hard to um, participate and to contribute. But I did have a, a whole bunch of relatives. Um, both parents have come from very large families who really didn't, you know, see disability in the same way my family did. And there was a lot of shame and blame. Um, and I think I would like to see the disability community and the social justice community work more closely together because we know that um, you know, people of color experience a higher incidence of disability. I can tell you in the Latino community, um, the jobs that we often do, uh, like construction, farm work, uh, meatpacking, are very high injury jobs. So we often, um, you know, uh, acquire disabilities. 
and we're not connected to the disability uh, service delivery model. And then, and so that, that is, I'd like to see that happen. Um, and, and with all communities, African-American communities, Asian communities, uh, um, especially folks from Indian country, you know, all of our, of our uh, BIPOC communities have very high incidence of diabetes, which results in secondary disabilities. Um, obesity results in secondary disabilities. Lack of knowledge, you know, uh, poverty is both a cause and a result of disability. So I think, you know, bringing our, our big social justice movements, um, and I think our corporations can, can, can be an example as well, but bringing the, our communities together um, um, because, you know, the leadership of, of, of the disability community, uh, the disability leadership is primarily white. It is changing, no question about it. Um, but there are, you know, it, it definitely, the disability rights movement was definitely founded on a, on a kind of, on a, a white middle class model. Um, I think that there is more awareness around, um, you know, the, the situation of people of color with disabilities. And I would like to see us just, you know, our movements are, uh, I'd like to see the disability rights include more people, movement include more people of color and the social justice movement include more people with disabilities and be prepared to, you know, to really uh, embrace people with disabilities. I mentioned before, and, and I agree with you, passionately I agree with you. Um, I mentioned before about... Uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber, who I'm sure many of you have seen on MSNBC or NBC or CBS or ABCs on everything, uh, being that he is also the uh, chair of the Poor People's Campaign. And his daughter, Sherelle Barber, is a Harvard graduate social epidemiologist and teaches, she's a PhD at uh, Drexel. So um, she was on my radio show, and as a social epidemiologist, she is very schooled in this area. And Kathy, she talked about something that you mentioned uh, in this conversation, and that is that many people um, of color or Latinx or other minority groups are and were essential workers during the coronavirus uh, this is when she was talking about systemic racism, that there are people who are poor all living in, you know, one home. And, of course, congregate settings, you know, uh, explodes with COVID-19 or they are relegated to the jobs uh, such as at that plant. You remember that uh, meatpacking plant, the people on the front lines oh, the turkey, working to the turkey yes plant, right yes uh, and also people uh, who are personal care attendants uh, grocery store we could go on and on and on but my point is if you are the essential worker and you are being exposed to covid of course that community would be ravaged not to mention uh, you know, lack of nutrition when you were talking about uh, mm-hmm. diabetes. Uh, and th- this is really um, 
you know, and then you add disability to that. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, this is why we all have to be awake. We all have to be awake to see what's really going on uh, across the country. I so agree with what you just said. And, Regina, I must ask you, do um, you are so passionate about all of this. May I ask you where this came from? I mean, I I really am interested in knowing where this came from because obviously there are many executives that are not like you and they do not see us. So where, where did that come from with you? And Joyce, what I was sharing is that as an executive, I think it's super important that you use your gifts and your talents to help make life better for someone else. And I have learned so much from Kathy Martinez and from others within our organization and from around the country about the issues and the opportunities. And I made an intentional decision to sow into making things better. And so I'm so thankful for the $13 million that we have spent with disability-owned businesses, for the supported employment program, for the continued investments that we're making in um, growing and scaling uh, disability-owned businesses. But I know that we are not done. We are going to continue to raise the bar on ourselves. And as a leader, I'm personally holding myself accountable for creating positive outcomes. But that's where it comes from for me, Joyce. It really comes from understanding within myself that in order to be a successful leader, I have to help others to also be successful. Thank you so much for this opportunity today. This has been a wonderful conversation. Oh, Regina, it's always a pleasure to have you, but I do have one other question for you. Can we have you back on next year, both of you? Absolutely for me. And I'm raising my hand and nodding my head. So absolutely for Regina Hayward. Yes. (laughs) Oh, we'd love to have you both back on. In the first quarter of next year, everyone, get ready for them. We end every show. The show went way faster. I didn't even know how fast. But we end every show with a quote. And here we go. Our ability to reach unity in diversity will be the beauty and the test of our civilization, said Gandhi. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Happy ADA 30. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 